Welcome to Creative Place, the podcast for creative placemakers. I'm your host, Andrea Orlando. For this episode, I want you to close your eyes and imagine that you're sitting with me and my guests on a porch. We're neighbors and we're in no particular rush. My guests are a trio of collaborators from Indianapolis, where for one day each year, a multi-block neighborhood becomes a gigantic stage where community-based artists imagine an idealized future. It's their way of initiating dialogue about cultural gentrification, which often accompanies economic gentrification. My guests are Keisha Dixon of Asante Children's Theater, Shirley Webster, a longtime resident and community organizer, and Moriah Miller of the Harrison Center. They taught a session on their work at the 2019 Midwest Creative Placemaking Leadership Summit in October. They've taken an architectural feature, a front porch, and turned it into a metaphor for neighborly conversation. So join us on the porch. So we have a couple of vocabulary terms to talk about today. Can you tell me what cultural gentrification is and how it's different from economic gentrification? Yes, so the Harrison Center made that that distinguishment to kind of help people understand what it feels like is happening in Indianapolis right now. So there have been a couple of studies on gentrification in cities across the U.S. And some of these studies have said that gentrification isn't happening in places where we think it is. Gentrification in that technical economic sense. However, we still see a lot of changes happening to these neighborhoods and we still see um, neighbors starting to feel out of place in the place that they lived their whole lives. And that is what we call cultural gentrification. When people are moving into the neighborhoods and long-term residents might not be displaced, but that um, in an emotional sense, they are, that they're, the changes happening in the neighborhood still make them feel disconnected. And what is happening in Indianapolis right now? Wow. Gentrification on steroids, mm. from my perspective. All of the key neighborhoods in the city are flipping. There are neighborhoods that were predominantly occupied by black people that are flipping and changing and their uh, developers are coming in and buying up properties and tearing down homes and then building up new edifices that are not, they don't have the character that the old buildings had. So some of that is then, that architecture is lost. Uh, the size of the homes they're downsizing the homes so that those, in, in my neighborhood, we have huge, big doubles. And so they're coming in and taking down the doubles and then putting in two houses that are much smaller and, and more economic for the inhabitants. But they are pricey. <laughs> they're pricey, you know, but still. And that's what's happening, that's what I see. The, the cultural development with the cultural trails that came in Indianapolis, that connected a lot of neighborhoods. So Indianapolis is growing as far as 
being a space where people can get from one place to another using bicycles, using scooters, using uh, um, walking if they want to, and they're connecting cultural districts that way. Mm -hmm. So that's what I've seen. What about yeah. you, Miss Shirley? Being in one of the neighborhoods that uh, we are experiencing the rapid change, it is both social and economic gentrification. Uh, and there's several reasons for that. Money talks for one thing, of course. A lot of the residents that have been there for years in my neighborhood, and actually 80% of the community I live in, was of one particular race. But it was also of an economic status that it was just moderate, hard-working people. Mm -hmm. So those kind of neighborhoods are always subject to the powers that be. The government, I could be an enemy at some time or other, and also people that have money are powerful, and of course they are able to do things that the community residents cannot. Now in my neighborhood, we were fortunate that we were able to, uh, as a group, to form something like a community development corporation, coalition for our neighborhoods, this kind of thing. So we do control some of what goes on on the lower level, but we did not have a say about who comes into the community, who goes out of the community. So now we're finding there's a reverse. Instead of 80% of uh, black ownership, now there's going to be more overly like 80% some other nationality. That's a big change especially for those that are still there. Mm -hmm. But we have been blessed in a sense that there have been institutions that have come along always with a sense of thinking about who was there in the beginning. Annie e. Casey came in years ago. They made a big difference in making sure that we were able to do some things documented and keep our history mm -hmm. somewhat. Now, uh, the Harrison Center has stepped up to become that piece to make sure that it's not forgotten who lived there, who developed certain things, made it possible for the people that are coming in now. See, their vision is on top of what is there. Well, somebody sacrificed and did that. So um, that's what happens in neighborhoods like mine, and that's just one piece of that. Right. But the gentrification piece is that it's changing race-wise, mm -hmm. and it's also changing economic-wise. Right. Because these homes, whereas we've envisioned our neighborhood going back to being what it used to be, because our neighborhood was one of those inner-city neighborhoods that went from wonderful to bad. Mm -hmm. Now we're seeing it go back to good, but the change. <laughs> You know, may not include us as much as we'd like for it to, <laughs> not in a good sense. Well put. Yeah, but uh, that's, that's part of, I think, what happens in all neighborhoods that ever so often change. Yeah. Uh, Shirley, could you tell me the name of your neighborhood and paint a visual picture for us with words, you know, so that our listeners can get a sense of what your neighborhood looks like? Is it? mostly owner-occupied homes? Does it have sidewalks, trees? Like give us some, can you give us some detail? Well, I can give you some details as the old neighborhood, yes. It was just a great community, it was an old community, just like older communities, some not, no sidewalks. Matter of fact, we still had some horse hitches in some of our neighborhoods where they used to have horses. But then it began to come, you know, to modernization and there were some sidewalks and so forth. 
Now, of course, we're just jumped to a whole new visualization of more sidewalks, more amenities, a modern amenities. But what we had then, I think, is disappearing. And this is where the Harrison Center idea of pre-enactment has become quite a thing with us because what we thought of thinking of your neighborhoods where you can actually see it. Mm -hmm. you, you, know, you don't think about it like that. But when you start thinking about what you want it to look like, what it does look like, in your mind you know this is happening all along but you don't picture it. Now we have a picture of people moving about in the neighborhood, feeling safer to be outside because of the change. Uh, less crime because neighbors are getting to know neighbors by way of porching. It came up out of this uh, Harrison Center project and bringing neighbors together. And the more we get together and learn about each other, it seems to cause we begin to care more about one another. So we watch out for one another. So we actually see this now in the arts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, and this has been missing. We've known this. And that's economic also. I found in my neighborhood particularly, we worked so hard in trying to find uh, somebody to come in and teach like ballet to, to, to our young people. Artists, you know, that uh, our kids are talented. And those things though, and music, they bring to a neighborhood a whole different ambiance. I, I think a lot of our neighborhoods, when they become deprived of these things, bad things begin to happen because that's not present. But with pre-enactment, we began to feel these things by the art community coming into our neighborhood, making it visual. <laughs> so we can not only just know these things here, but we see it. We see it happen. People walking their dogs, babies in strollers, the Monon Trail. These kind of things, are, whereas there's caused some problems, but for our community and on a whole, physically, mentally, these things just have made a great difference. What is the name of the neighborhood? Martin Del Brightwood. Okay, thank you. Yes. And, and how about you, Keisha? Uh, do you live in the same neighborhood? I live in a different neighborhood that's due north of Martin Del Brightwood. I live in Mapleton Fall Creek. So Fall Creek is on our east border, and then uh, Meridian. We go over to Meridian. And that neighborhood uh, was, you can tell that before African Americans moved in, it was predominantly white, and uh, the houses were just amazing, amazing. It's a, it would, used to be a more affluent neighborhood, and then the switchover happened, and white flight took place. Then African Americans moved in, and it's not because they moved in that de declined. I've been in that neighborhood 34 years. I'm from Chicago, so I've seen a lot of growth in Indianapolis since I arrived in the 70s. But in this neighborhood, in 34 years, we did not have a repair of streets and sidewalks. And I live on a major thoroughfare. This year, this year, we got new sidewalks, we got paved streets, and that's the red flag. Oh. That is the flag. You truly know that your neighborhood is about to flip. There's a lot of construction going on and development of houses. 
and and you see people out jogging, you see people out walking their uh, babies and their dogs, and you just kind of go, okay, so we're going to have a cultural shift. Mm -hmm. We're about to have a cultural shift. Unfortunately, there isn't an organization like Harrison Center negotiating and helping to to cultivate that shift in such a way that people are informed. They understand you can't fight. We know you can't fight gentrification. The city fathers have planned these changes in our communities 10, 20 years ago. So we're just looking at the rollout. And, and you can't stop it. As I was, I was sharing with Mariah, it's almost like that scene in Avatar when the bulldozers are coming in and they're taking down the forest. They are coming and you cannot stop it. Sometimes you can delay it. You can postpone it. It's still coming. You can slow it down. That's what pre-enactment does. It slows down the inevitable, but then gives you an opportunity to process through what's happening and then seeing where you fit, where you can fit. What would it be like if I got to know a great triarch who has been in the neighborhood for years and years and years, who holds the stories of the community? What would it be like if I stopped and talked to them to get a sense of what it used to be and how What's my role in preserving that? Not to come in and just wipe it out, change the name, you know, move things in that, that people don't understand and make it not theirs anymore. But what if it was, what would the difference be if I got to know my neighbors as I moved in? Mm -hmm. That's pre-enactment. And that's the Harrison Center. And that's the difference that it is making in the shift in Martindale Brightwood and some of it is taking root in other neighborhoods because people have taken notice pre-enactment is now three years old mm -hmm. so people are taking notice and looking at it, it is just interesting to watch college students in Mapleton uh, Brightwood and finding out all the rich rich stories that take place and when you see pre-enactment unfold and see the diversity in the community, you get a sense of what's here. It's like, wow. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, wow. And I can say as a long-time resident, there's so much I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. And talking to some of my new neighbors, it's amazing how much they knew mm -hmm. about Martindale Brightwood. They did not even live there. Right. Mm -hmm. But they bring stories. Well, I think that almost is, is um, shows that there have been inequities in the past too like the history has been neglected mm -hmm. and people even though there was history there people didn't talk about it at the time because of the inequities that were there in the past which is why pre-enactment isn't just looking towards the past we have a deep respect for history but we want to elevate it not to return to it but to celebrate the good things that have happened there and to try to keep from going back mm -hmm. to the inequities that were there right and we're hoping too that it will go to other neighborhoods. Right. Uh, that's one of the visions I, I think I can speak without being out of term uh, for the Harrison Center is that hopefully we'll be a model that will begin to go to other communities, not even just in our city, but beyond. Beyond. Uh, so there's an idea now, absolutely, of doing a city mm -hmm. sort of like Porchy. 
Yes. <laughs> I was approached by a lady who wants to know why that we do this, and, mm -hmm. and you know she's in another neighborhood. So that's a piece. Hopefully, we'll see in the future. Uh, but that's what's so rich about this experience. Mm -hmm. You know, we've tried a lot of things, and the, they were not bad things. Mm -hmm. They just didn't work. A lot of things are about timing. So important timing. But somehow, this porching piece or this getting to know your neighbors, new and old, is just caught on. It's caught on because, because it takes you, it takes you back. It has that essence mm -hmm. that we all want. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everybody wants to be in a community where they're accepted and they know their neighbors and they can smile, come out and you know, watch out for each other's children. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants this. There's a common thread mm -hmm. about family here. You're using a word that I haven't heard used <laughs> as a verb. So let's okay. take a step back and explain to me, what is porching? Okay. <laughs> what is porching? We don't really know, except it's just the idea of inviting someone to come and have a glass of lemonade. Just inviting your neighbors. Somebody moves into the neighborhood. Well, you know, to have welcome baskets and mm -hmm. things, you know, mm -hmm. a neighborhood organization or something else, somebody new move in, you just go knock on the door, carry a pie or mm -hmm. something. It's sort of going back to that. Okay. And being on the front porch. Just being, being in front outside. Of your house. Mm -hmm. So okay. others can see it as inviting. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think the term is new. I don't think the concept mm -hmm. is new. Right. Because we, you know, as a community, we sit on the front porch all mm -hmm. the time. Because that's how you caught the kids ripping and running down the street. That's how you could say, right, that's how you could see them. And that's how you watched your neighborhood as being on the front porch in the evenings on summer days. So now this is catching on because it is offering an opportunity for people to come together and just be. Just be. Just be. And whatever conversations come up, conversations come up. You might share food. That evening, um, if you're gardening, you might work in each other's gardens. Yes. You'll talk about that. You might share a glass of wine and cheese, or, and just be in the moment. And we are in such a fast-paced time now that people had gotten away from that. You don't. You didn't have time to come home and sit, or after dinner, go on your porch and sit. You don't have time for that. So now we're, we're, we're going back to that. Instead of watching television, mm -hmm. you go and, and sit on the porch, especially on Saturdays and Sundays. Mm -hmm. Great time to do that. Mm -hmm. It's also one of the ways that we are um, seeking to build relationships between the old and new neighbors. We're trying to connect them and to build relationships. And porching is a great way for us to say, we're having a porch party. We're having it at this person's house and you should come. And that feels a little bit more welcoming to someone who is new to the neighborhood to say like, oh, I'm, I'm going to the front porch. In some ways it's like, oh, I'm still in my neighborhood. It's not inside of their house. Mm -hmm. And you can still see like their perspective of the neighborhood. Are they usually open houses? because they're outside, so suppose somebody wasn't specifically invited, but was walking by. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, is that kind of the idea, like the serendipitous mm-hmm. yes. guest? In my, it in my neighborhood, all the time. Yeah. I, I, we sit out. We are outside mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So the neighbors know if you're driving by and mm-hmm. I'm killing or we're sitting out, you can stop yes. and and come and join in the conversation. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine that that takes place. Oh yes, yes, as well. Oh, That's yes. part of it. So. So how did the three of you begin your collaboration? Mm-hmm. So the Harrison Center is an arts center. It's, it's an art and cultural organization. Um, we are both for the arts and for the city. So in some sense, we are gallery space and studio space. Um, that's kind of how we started. and gotten more into creative placemaking within the last five or so years before I was even there. So pre-enactment as a concept really started before I was working there. I came as an intern a couple of years ago and helped prepare for the first pre-enactment. But Joanna is really the one who reached out and there's so many more than just the three of us. There are uh, we had over 13 professional theater companies and 20 neighborhood organizations and then of course all the residents. So I'll let them talk about how they how they got involved with the Harrison Center initially. Phone call. Mm-hmm. The first reenactment I was not involved in and somehow my name is just out there in Martindale Brightwood. So I was approached mm-hmm. and I've been there ever since. By Joanna? By Joanna. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you meet her at a porch party for the first time? No. No. Just a phone call. And then we had a conversation. And from that, I was invited in to actually to one of the first Fridays that they have uh, of every month to see the galleries and see the art and that kind of thing. And then it went to conversation of what her vision was for the project and would I be involved. Uh, That's it. That's where I've been happily Mm -hmm. um, since then. Seen a lot of things, met a lot of wonderful people. It's been porching to me <laughs> in another sense. <laughs> oh, and the Joanna that we're talking about is Joanna Taft, right? Yes. Right. Okay. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, we were, I'm with the Asante Children's Theater in Indianapolis, and we were approached by Joanna first year to say, we're envisioning something like pre-enactment theater and using it to showcase what a neighborhood might look like can you help with this? What do you think you guys could bring to the table, or how could this play out? And it's like, what? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, let's back up. What does, okay, what does pre-enactment theater? Pre-enactment is the opposite of reenactment. Reenactment okay. looks at the history, at uh-huh. the past. We're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. Pre-enactment was looking into the future to think, to envision what things might be, okay. could be. So you're, you're given a, a, a blank slate, and you can just create whatever you wanted to create. So you can see this neighborhood that's a three-block stretch in the middle of the city, and to take it and you look at it and say, okay, you want to do what now? <laughs> Envision what this might look like? And there are vacant buildings, and there are open grassy spaces, and uneven land, and it's a street, a major thoroughfare, and buildings that haven't been used, and some still have old signs on it. What could we bring to that? So now she's, you know, we started talking about that. 
we have a children's theater and we have been around for a long time. We are African American, so we perceive the world through that lens and we develop pieces that allow us to look at societal issues. So we went back to the table and thought, okay, what could we do? So the first thing was, let's just get familiar with it. So the first year, we took our prep program, so those are young kids, there were six to, and we had the academy, so that was six to 15. We had like 50 something kids out there. And they did a, a workshop warm up, physical warm up, vocal warm ups, and, in a, and then performed a couple of songs in an area that the, the set designers had developed this, this set this, that was called Dream, the Dream Stage. The and they had built right the dream theater and it was outdoor open and we were just in there so we did that the first year after you get a sense of the first year <laughs> then you can start to say oh because what was interesting was the conversations that you would be in and it's like okay so in a neighborhood what would you what would you like to see in your neighborhood well you want sounds of life you want smells of food cooking. You want to see people moving and children moving and people engaged and having fun. You want cars. It's on 16th Street, three blocks, a major street, and they set a cafe in the middle of the street so that cars would slow down to see what was going on. <laughs> We, right. I think we're the first, maybe the first um, event to get a, a permit from the city to put a cafe in the middle of the road. <laughs> but it was in the middle of the road and people were sitting at the picnic tables and cars because they could not stop traffic from going through this major street and the cars would go through and people would, you could see them looking and saying, what is going on here? <laughs> Those are the people that then return second year because you could say, we're going to do this again next year. We also give them programs through their car windows. Right, you know, you're just interacting with because they really have to slow down. But it, it um, prompted interest in what was happening. So the second year was bigger and better and visited more visitors. It was uh, more organized because now people are really starting to get into the concept of dreaming. And what we were asked to do, instead of just um, you know, 30 minutes of entertainment bringing what we do, now it's, well, could you just like come up with programming on the porch and program the porch all day? Eight hours. Mm -hmm. It's eight an eight-hour hour event. <laughs> right, an eight-hour event. Wow. And so that's what we did. We created an eight-hour porching event, and it was a lot of fun. It's fun. It was fun, and we brought it back again this year. So we have cash prizes, we have dance competition, we have spoken word, we have choir, we have doo-wop, everything that you would do in a community just hanging out. And it involves the entities that are actually there. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. The businesses open up their doors. Uh, mm -hmm. and we use their properties for certain things. And there are these wonderful carpenters that come mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the sets. <laughs> it's really amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever the theme is, uh, if it's the children's theater, they get that theme. Or so whatever it is, 
that's what the little shell looks like. And they're there for weeks before the mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine the community members wanting, okay, what is that? Oh. It's like, it kind of feels like when they put up Christmas lights yeah, in the right. beginning of December, you're like, oh, it's oh, coming. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's also amazing to me that Tinker Street was the name of 16th Street years ago. Mm -hmm. Originally, that was the name of the street. Mm -hmm. There was a group that started maybe some 20 years ago wanting to revitalize mm -hmm. Tinker Street. Mm -hmm. Those people began to work on that way back then. All of a sudden, these pieces like that are just coming together. Now I notice people are using the word Tinker Street just mm -hmm. like 16th right. Street. You have the coffee house now, oh, Tinker Street Coffee House. Yes. They've got breweries in the neighborhood, yeah. micro breweries in the neighborhood, all type of breweries. Rest. Yes, oh, isn't that something? I think. coming to the neighborhood that wasn't there before. Right. A lot of uh, negative attention has been brought to Martindale Brightwood in particular. We were one of the targeted seven neighborhoods. Martindale, mm -hmm. I mean, Maple Leaf Fall Creek was one of those. We worked with them years ago. We all had the same problems. Mm -hmm. Some of them a little different, but the same problems. But uh, Martindale Brightwood got so much notoriety. Mm -hmm. That 46218. Mm -hmm. The government has been a part of a lot of our problems. Mm -hmm. Neglect, uh, you know, you neglect your streets, mm -hmm. you let the trash build up and you don't collect and do the special things that you do in many other neighborhoods. You're not gonna allow that in some neighborhoods. Uh, this invites right. the wrong attitudes right. of people. They know they can do things here and this kind of thing. So they've been a much problem of, a, uh, of this thing than mm -hmm. anything else. Yeah. And uh, press. Oh, and the press is horrible. But when people get there and find out what the neighbors really are about, this makes a big difference. Right. Mm -hmm. So showcasing Mario Brightwood mm -hmm. has been that piece right. that really mm -hmm. is bringing the neighborhood to where we've known what name Mario mm -hmm. Brightwood is. I've had stuff in my yards. I don't have a fence around my yard anymore. Nobody takes my things. You know, mm -hmm. broken into, yeah, we have that occasionally, but where don't you? They still want to say you don't have, yes, you do. Mm -hmm. You're not safe, safe, safe anywhere. Mm -hmm. But Martin Del Bright with that 46218, they district that purposely. Red district. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yes, because we go across the city. 46218 runs across Europe. Mm -hmm. The other side of town. We go to the extremes huge. of East. It's mm -hmm. the largest district in the city. Do you mean con congressional district? Is no, that what you're no, referring to? No, it's the zip code no, area. No, it's a zip oh, code okay. area. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they always refer to that uh, when there's crime. There's Your certain zip codes that the stats will yeah. show that are high crime zip codes. Right. Oh, mm -hmm. so you're, that zip code area oh. is more like a line? Yeah. That's what you tell? Oh, uh, interesting. Yes. You know, back in the day, they used to, well, of course, I don't know how this happened, that they let the bus line be called red line. Yeah. Oh, but anyway, that's right. another subject. That's a whole, okay. <laughs> that's a whole other subject. <laughs> but they would, in the, back in the day, they would red line. Mm -hmm. when they draw the maps and then red line areas mm -hmm. where assets would not be 
put there. And then next thing you know, you've got a food desert, you, you don't have gas stations, you don't have banks, you don't have anything there, it's blight. And so some of these areas were like that. And when you say no sidewalks, now coming out of Chicago, I've never, unless you go further south, you wouldn't see a city, a metropolitan area where there's no sidewalks. But in Indianapolis, it was like that. And there are still areas. Hallville, Hallville doesn't have sidewalks, and that's another 46222. All that's right, another doesn't have streets mm -hmm. and sidewalks. We mm -hmm. still don't have all those things. Mm -hmm. It's coming, but it always comes with the money. Right. Right. And a certain group of people. It's just, just the way that is. But, and not only are they talking about redlining, but businesses, mm -hmm. uh, the electrical companies and so forth, the bills are higher. Mm -hmm. They redline that, your credit. Uh, I didn't even understand why one of my children was applying for a life insurance policy. And they want your credit. Mm -hmm. I don't when did they start doing this? What would insurance have to do with your credit? If you don't pay the policy once a month or once a week, whatever, you're not going to have it. So why would it make a difference whether you got where you live? Good credit your car insurance credit. is higher because of where you live. Are higher. So it's just a lot of things that go into creating neighborhoods, mm -hmm. and it does still have something to do with who you are, <laughs> who you know, right. and, and this kind of thing. But happily, Martin mm -hmm. Brightwood seems to be on that part of the map right now. Now people like to say they're from there. Oh, are they going to run from there now? They're running towards, you know. This yeah. gets into the conversation about neighborhood names because mm -hmm. what we've seen in this area is a lot of the new residents because of all of the, the stigma that comes with Martindale Brightwood mm -hmm. and, the, and that zip code. They want to use a new neighborhood name. They want to call it by the development name and they don't even understand the neighborhood names a lot of times. Right. Even within Martindale Brightwood, there are smaller neighborhoods and there are sections where mm -hmm. it kind of overlaps with another neighborhood. And so they're kind of backing away from, from using those names, but those names are important. And part of what I think pre-enactment does is helps show like, hey, actually there has been history here that is worth mm -hmm. taking pride in mm -hmm. and we can have a future in which we can have pride yes. in the history of this neighborhood. I think right. to long-term residents like Shirley, any decline that that neighborhood has had has been such a short blip in contrast to right. <laughs> all of the time that you've spent there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Very, very true. But that is coming about with conversation. Mm -hmm. Things do not ever really change unless we get to know, you know, something about one another. That's just the way that goes. Like Bill Fountain and Bill Fontaine. Yeah. Bill Fontaine, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, inside, inside, inside joke. joke. That's an inside joke. Yeah, the newcomers, they'll call it Bill Fontaine. These are street names. Okay. Yeah. And the residents are like, what street are they talking about? Bill Fountain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hmm. But we all can laugh about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so wonderful when you feel relaxed enough that it doesn't matter, you know. Mm -hmm. you, you can laugh about those things. Right. I've seen the time where maybe somebody might take offense, mm -hmm. you know, but no. They and, work through it now. In Martindale Brightwood, it just mm -hmm. seems to be that ambiance right now that mm -hmm. it's okay. We're all okay, no matter. If we're here in this space, it's okay. Right. And that's what the Harrison Center and their project of uh, this porching thing has brought to the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Gratefully, mm -hmm. it has been that tool 
right. and that avenue for people to get together on that level. And that's Joanna's, really good. Joanna's really good about opening the door. Oh. The Harrison Center is a space where everybody truly is welcome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you see that by the type of activities that take place there, the artists that are celebrated, how diverse her First Fridays are. The menu of offerings in that is really amazing. When we wanted to do a literary project for family, I approached her with that idea, and she's like, oh, you can do it here. You can do it here. 13-week project, and she invited us to come in her space and do it. And what we were able to do was not only that literary project, but as we neared time for pre-enactment, last year, we were able then to have invite some of the neighbors from the community to come in and talk about storytelling and talk about how would you share your stories at pre-enactment mm -hmm. if you were on our porch. Mm -hmm. So we were writing stories down and then the young people, the families got to meet the great triarchs in the community and say, hey, listen to their stories, write them down, and then the great triarchs came and presented on the porch mm -hmm. last year. So you you like to make up words in Indianapolis, I'm sorry. So yes. another vocabulary lesson. What is a great triarch? I knew that was coming. <laughs> you are wordsmiths. Yes. 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 I don't have a greatest idea. <laughs> it's a new word. Yes, yes it it's is. It's a new group. Right. Um, but I think that came about because uh, Joanna had this idea, you know, that there are um, matriarchs. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we have gentlemen in our neighborhood that mm -hmm. are very much a part of uh, what has happened in the neighborhood uh, and constant, you know, working in the neighborhood, they're wonderful things. Mm -hmm. So now what do you do with them? So you put those together. So we're not matriarchs, we're great triads. Mm -hmm. that, that, we need a new dictionary after that. <laughs> <laughs> have to start writing these things down. Sure, Webster, you know, they get that in there somewhere. But we just come up with the, but I think with the new ideas, the new words. It helps it just stick. It gives it something for people to, to add to their vocabulary and to think about. People get excited when we say these are the great triarchs. Yeah. And even that title, um, the, the purpose is to give honor. It is to recognize that people like Miss Shirley have been in their neighborhoods and been leaders there and that they have stories to tell. So what, kind of how it originated was we had an artist in residence painting these large-scale portraits of them that eventually hung on the 16th Street, that busy thoroughfare, so that traffic could see them. And they were like these beautiful, colorful portraits. They were all painted purple to um, kind of represent the royalty. And all uh, each of their portraits had a tribute to African-American art history that tied their stories, that made it personal, but also paid homage to an African-American artist. So that's how and the, and this series needed a name. So we called them the Gratriarchs. There are five women and one man, and those portraits have gone just about all over the city. And they're back on 16th Street now um, for pre-enact Indy, and we, we can't keep them up during the winter because they will be damaged. But uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing just to see how those what those paintings have done, and people will say, I recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> and where are they hung? 
Well, the first year they were on a brick wall, an old building that is vacant, but it was the, the Gleaners um, food bank. And now there are, we did six new ones this year. So those are in the original location. And the originals are kind of across the street um, in also on a, a brick building that has been recently redeveloped. So now there are, there's an existing business in there. And it's right across the parking lot from um, this new coffee shop that is, is definitely on the, the other um, cultural side of things. So it's really interesting to see kind of how that, how people will see it and it helps remind them, look, there is a narrative here. Do either of you have Gritriarch portraits? Miss Shirley is a Gritriarch, yes. What is that like? <laughs> to, what is it like to see a big portrait of yourself in the street? Weird. <laughs> the worthy, but 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 fun. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. Now, it's interesting that the first one I saw mine, I thought, oh no, I I didn't even recognize it. I'm, I'm thinking, oh my, because mine's got all these big red dots on, and I'm thinking, what is this? But then I'd learned to look at these things from the artist's perspective. That's the beautiful thing about being involved in, in the art. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, so I have a great person. But it's fun. It really is fun. My kids, uh, you know, and now my husband's on the other side of the street. So that, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> Yeah. It really is fun, and I think that's just another thing that happens with everything that has happened so far. Mm -hmm. it, it just brings about more joy, mm -hmm. uh, whether you're involved in it directly or indirectly. I find the people that even work on the projects or come in to contribute in some other ways, they get, they get the same excitement. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole idea. So that means it works. And that's what's important to me. My time, of course, will we, my time about now, I don't have it to waste. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how much I've got left. Uh, none of us do, but I do know mine is getting shorter. But it's important to me that it's inv I'm involved in something that's good. This is a good thing. Yeah. And for the great yards, I think I can speak for all of us. We get to a certain point where you're not useful anymore unless you can be of some use. I don't mean that you're not important to your family or it's not important that you lived and you did great things, but you still want to be a part of something vital. Mm -hmm. That's hard to do as you grow older for many reasons. Justifiable. Well, our society, yeah. the Western society, doesn't value the aging population. And so with this shift and the development of the Gratriarchs, mm -hmm. That reminds us that we are to value our elders. Right. And that's, that's a custom in African-American culture, you yeah. know, in African culture, to value the elders. In a lot of cultures, you know, they, they yeah. the older people, that's where your history is, that's where all the knowledge is, that's where all the wisdom is. The little ones can go for that love that the parents might not, grandma, mm -hmm. you yeah. know. So, so having the concept of great reminds 
those up-and-comings that you too will be in this space soon and when you get there this is the behavior this is this is what you do this is how you share the history this is how you welcome others to your community this is this is what it's about being a great triage and more importantly with uh, this Harrison Center opening their doors mm -hmm. not only do we have that place and that's a wonderful place I tell everybody you know I thank God I've lived this long it's really a wonderful space. But the icing on the cake is that I'm not just in this space. I can feel a part of mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. Still living. Right. You know, be a vital part mm -hmm. of that. That's important to seniors. Mm -hmm. And what has happened at the center, like you talk about the open doors, mm -hmm. our uh, senior group, I still have our senior group, we met at another place every month. Well, once we became a part of this great yard thing, mm -hmm. so well, why not meet at the Harrison Center? Right. Is the Harrison Center in one of the two neighborhoods that we're talking about? Or no? no. It's okay. so we're, we're right down the street. Um, mm -hmm. We're one of the neighboring neighborhoods. Right. And that's kind of how we got involved. We were doing creative placemaking in different places around the city and just sort of found that it really works best when you are actually neighbors. And so, in, in some ways, our, our neighborhoods are our neighbors. And, Very adjacent. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably a mile west. Some things are just kind of meant to be, and you can time to tell because of how it happens. Mm -hmm. This seems to be one of those things. Right, right. Yeah. This year, we had the best turnout. For of, free and for, Well, for government officials. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. I, I, I said, wait a minute now. The first year, the first year, we got a state representative who stopped by, you know. The second year, we got city county councilman and a state representative, and the mayor came last year, okay. Then this year, we got the district rep, the mayor, the president of the city county council, the congressman, Andre Carson, and Greg Porter, the state rep, came. I said, okay. And, and they stayed. And they stayed. They hung out. And right. they, they shopped. We have an artisan market. Mm -hmm. um, they hung out there and they walked around and they listened to the actors and the stories. They, t they were engaged. They talked about, you know, everyone had an opportunity on the porch to talk to the attendees and they talked about the impact of this experience what pre-enactment has done not only for this community but for the city itself what it's done so are these porches part of the set or are they oh, yeah. actual por oh, por no. people's porches no, attached no, no. to their house? Por this porch and a developer decided to put his sign in front of the space this year because that means you won't be using this land next year. But it's open open space and the set builders came 
they uh-huh. have a vacant lot, right? And they came and they built a porch with the door that goes into, you know, a, so that looks like a door. There's a facade for mm-hmm. a house. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. But, but we don't care about the house. We right. care about the porch. We care about the porch. <laughs> so the porch is real big and like, you know, we rock, I brought my rocking chair last year. You can't have a porch without a rocking chair. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right, you know, so we, we have chairs all around and benches. You can just come and hang out. And I, I am guilty of not going any place. Mm-hmm. I don't walk the, the three blocks. Or I stay in the porch area and just mingle with everybody that comes by. So we're close to the beginning of it. So we get to see everyone who's coming in and they stop by our, our porch. And how big is the area? Three blocks, three okay. city blocks long, both sides. Mm-hmm. And sometimes kind of kind of there. wanders back through. It just depends mm-hmm. on, on what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we've had we typically it stays to these facades or the existing businesses and the existing infrastructure, but um, that are that are right along that commercial strip. Mm-hmm. But there are a few kind of other things like we had a pop up bodega inside one of. The businesses that was a little bit off the street this year and there is also the gospel um, fest the gospel fest is in a church parking lot at the sort of at the end so it's not quite on that street but you can still see it and hear it and go explore we want people to walk around there's even a little pop-up art gallery in one of the the, the homes there that you kind of had to walk down the um, roller skating rink the roller skating rink we had a pop-up roller skating rink in the parking lot of a of a the flower, the flower hut, which is yeah, just off the street, but it's all visible. Mm-hmm. You do you have to walk a little bit, but that's that's kind of what yeah. And then I noticed you're starting to have bicycles going through. Yeah, well we, we got our new bike share. Mm-hmm. So we had the bike share there was letting people like taking people through mm-hmm. on neighborhood tours. And they did the Monad because we're right here mm-hmm. from Monad. And so the old trail. Doing, did they do tours of the Monon? I don't know if they did tours of the Monon, but they had Paddle and Park for bikers mm-hmm. who rode to pre-enact Indy. Okay. So we encouraged people to bike there, and then there okay. was free bike valet. Because right. I, 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 we have the tiny houses this year. Mm-hmm. Exciting. <laughs> now, they, they actually brought the tiny houses. So these are like still, these are sets. The, the, this one, space these, these are real. Are real. Oh, oh, oh. Tiny. so you know, yeah, you can like rent tiny houses. Yeah, uh-huh. you gotta Google it. Okay. Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> you do. That was exciting. I was in a tiny house, mm-hmm. and where we showed some of the films from pre-enactment from last year or some of the other, and they film everything. Just a, <laughs> yeah, you might go into the building and I'd look up sometime and think, whoa, there you are on wall. <laughs> but, but, but anyway, we just showed those all day long there. People just came in and sat down and, and watched those films. But the tiny houses were fascinating. And uh, again, representing homes. Mm-hmm. And different types of houses. Different types of houses. We wanted people to think about yeah. how housing can look differently. Yeah. And how a, how you don't need those big, big doubles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can live in a tiny house. Yes. <laughs> Very tiny house. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Okay, but it was fun. The longer I stayed in there, when I thought, "Oh, I could do this. <laughs> I need to put this in my backyard. I can run away. Mm-hmm. Lock that mm-hmm. door. Mm-hmm. Hell, you stay in that house. Right, your she yeah. shit. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a new word, and I, that I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
What kinds of conversations are you having with people at this summit? So you've been, I'm assuming that you've been here for no. at least a day? No, no, I just no. got here. Oh, okay. So we just had our third pre-enact less than oh. a week ago. Yeah. And we have had, it's also a big grant week for both the Harrison mm -hmm. Center and for Asante Children's Theater. So we sadly just arrived at the, the conference today, but have had some great conversations between the three of us, and I've gotten to hear a little bit of, of what was happening in there, and we're excited for our, for our session. Yeah, and what are you hoping that participants in your session will take away? Hopefully, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, everybody, this is a thing that's not only just in our city, it's worldwide, of how we can live together on this planet harmoniously. Mm -hmm. uh, and we can do this. Mm -hmm. People are just looking for an answer and a way to do that and make it happen. And I think that's what we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. It is at least worth looking at, finding out about, because mm -hmm. it may work in your space. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know. Hopefully, we've, it will. Mm -hmm. And what we want them to take away from it, at least, you know, try it. Uh, and of course, we are always glad to share. <laughs> yeah, I think this model is what we're hoping to give yes. people, both so that they can do it in, in their communities, to, to think about this in a little bit of a different way. You know, yeah. People are looking how people are interested in placemaking and placekeeping. But I think this is a little bit of a different approach mm -hmm. that we're hoping people can, can take and replicate um, in their, their specific places. But I think also, Something that we think a lot about is the the heart changes that it creates in ourselves. Mm -hmm. Joanna and I, Joanna is my boss. We've had a number of conversations about how it, this idea of pre-enacting helps us to slow down and think. Even just as we're working on this project, even as we are working on a completely different project or in our personal lives, like, mm -hmm. is this? Am I behaving? Am I in the way I'm behaving now? The way that I want things to be, in some ways seeing a neighborhood as it ought to be and like having letting people try it on helps them to behave to change their patterns to help create a neighborhood in which those things are actually possible mm -hmm. and so i hope that people can think about this as a way of of thinking about how to move forward how you can use theater to bring reality to ideas and try things out. Um, how you can use theater to prompt conversations mm -hmm. around difficult subjects. How you can use theater to uh, bring an intergenerational audience to a space and everybody is comfortable being who they are. So that's what I'd like for them to understand who and what Asante Children's Theater is in Indianapolis, and what we represent, and how we were utilized to make this happen. Well, thank you so much. You know what I really want to do right now mm -hmm. is sit on a porch and <laughs> drink a hot beverage, because mm -hmm. it's a little cold in here. Yes. <laughs> and, but I have to add, too, it's not really, you don't have to have a porch porch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. a lot of people, I'm sure, are going to ask, well, suppose you don't have a porch. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You've got a space. Mm -hmm. You yeah. can do it on your front steps. Yeah, if you're sitting there, somebody's going by. Oh yeah, stoops. Oh, you call them stoops too. Yes. Oh yeah, that's what we call them. Yes, there be any place where you could gather. Yes. And just have a conversation. 
over yes. the fence. Mm. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, hopefully this is what it brings back. Mm. It's just saying hello to, mm -hmm. to, to your neighbor. I want to gift you a copy of Warp Dance. This. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing is my art, okay. so, so well, I'm getting is, really excited. This is word dance, and that literary project I told you about. Mm -hmm. There's a description of the of the project in here and how it got started, mm -hmm. and then on the back cover, who's involved? Mm -hmm. And this was this little guy here. He was four years old when this when he started in this project, so he is now a published writer. Oh, fantastic. So everyone has written poems or stories in this, and we preserve them. Thank you so mm -hmm. much. Oh. Now, did and you have a copy? No. <laughs> you know I have to have oh, one. Thank you so much. Oh, my goodness. Oh. Thank you. You're very welcome. That's the stage in Harrison Center? <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I should let you go because you have a session to prepare sure for. So, well, thank you so much. All right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah, been great. You've been listening to Creative Place, produced by the National Consortium for Creative Placemaking. Visit cpcommunities.org to learn more about us. <laughs> <laughs>